It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, hey, welcome to episode 31, the Ferguson Jenkins edition of the podcast. I could have gone with feared former Seahawks safety Cam Chancellor for this episode. And my guest surely loves him for his hard-hitting style, ferociousness, solid word, and fear he struck in opponents. But I'm going to go with Hall of Fame pitcher Canadian Ferguson Jenkins. Why? So basically, it's the only reason so I could discuss the hilariously failed Canadian Baseball League from the early 2000s, where Jenkins was the commissioner. Do you guys remember that? Probably not, since it was such a short-lived league in 2003. It was so, so brutal. Only two markets averaged over 1,000 fans per game, Victoria and Calgary. Four teams had less than 300 fans a contest, Kelowna, Saskatoon, Welland, where I went to Niagara College, and Trois-Rivières averaged a paltry 163 fans a game. The Montreal franchise never played there because there was no field when they were denied at least to use Olympic Stadium. And after just six weeks, they pulled the plug on the entire operation. The final game ever ended in a tie, by the way. And this is my favorite part. After the game, a home run derby was held and it produced a grand total of zero home runs. In case you're wondering, and you definitely weren't, the Calgary Outlaws were declared champions for having the best record when it ceased operations. It wasn't Ferguson Jenkins' fault, but I always love discussing the CBL. My next guest is a TSN veteran who I've worked with in my 15 years at the company, and you'll have some great stories, I'm sure. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome on my good friend, Sean Puffy Cameron. He's an associate producer at TSN and has been on the road for many incredible sporting events. He's also the man who comes up with Puffy's Hypotheticals on James Duffy's pod, the Rubber Boots podcast. So I'm sure we'll get to those in a bit. Sean is a diehard Seahawks fan like me, so expect to hear some Seattle ball. Welcome to the H-Dog pod, Puffy. Thanks, Hound Dog. Uh, I'd say we have two of the better nicknames at TSN. Ooh, I didn't even consider that. Interesting. I think that uh, well, there's there's I'm certainly people at our office that don't know my real name. Yeah, well, uh, they uh, only uh, know me by my nickname. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, how'd you get the nickname uh, Puffy? By the way, uh, it was my first. I started uh, when I first started uh, at TSN in 1999. Um, Darren Detition uh, was the first one. He, he, Sean Puffy Cameron, Sean Puffy Combs, right. and it uh, and it stuck, and uh, <laughs> and now even my kids call me Puffy. So that's it's, funny. Uh, they, uh, it's gone on to the next generation. I had a feeling that that was probably the reason. Yeah, there's actually a number of people who know my last name Harrison. They also thought my last name Harrison was actually my first name. So they'd be like, "Hey, uh, what? What? You know, uh, sending an email to me like, okay, what? Okay, we've got your first name. What's your last name?'" And I was like, "Ooh, uh, awkward." Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so it's, that's so funny that, when, when people don't know. That is That happens to me all the time where people will be like, yeah, what's your email? I'm like, it's the work email? Because <laughs> you just want them to actually come clean that they have no idea yeah. what your name is. I remember once I was, uh, I can't remember who it was, but I was sending like an email to uh, this woman who needed some information, uh, some like tickets she bought or something like that. I said, uh, her, her uh, printer wasn't working or her profile wasn't working. I said, yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, uh, just send it to me and uh, no problem. And then I was like, oh, I know her first name, but crap, I don't know her last name. So I was I, like, uh, oh, no, what do I do? I can't even remember what I did exactly, <laughs> but it was, uh, oh, I was trying to, like, uh, <laughs> as soon as I said, I'm like, oh, crap. I'm trying to be a nice guy here, and I completely ruined it. I know. It, is, it always is awkward there. 
Yeah, no, I uh, that's that's always worse. And I mentioned off my intro that you didn't hear in, in the podcast. Uh, I discussed the Canadian Baseball League in the early 2000s when uh, Ferguson Jenkins was a commissioner. Now you've got yeah. tons of stories and memories of that league, right? Didn't know. I can't remember it existing. Yeah. It, like, uh, when did this thought. actually happen? <laughs> that's why I figured. That's why I asked the question. Uh, it was 2003. <laughs> they had eight teams. Uh, and they basically couldn't get anyone. Only two markets had only over a thousand people going to the games. Most markets had like three hundred people going. It was on the score. Ferguson Jenkins was the commissioner. But my wow. favorite stat of the whole league was after like six weeks they they canceled the games, mm-hmm. and they had a home run derby after that. A home run yeah. derby of the Canadian Baseball League that resulted in a grand total of zero home runs. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, but like. <laughs> like even the XFL at he hate me. Did anyone come out of the Canadian Baseball League and make any mark in professional baseball? Yes, yeah, no, that's funny you say it because I actually had uh, Google that earlier and uh, wasn't it Francisco? Cur- Let me see here. I think it was Francisco Cordera. Yeah, Fr- sorry, Fr- really? Francisco Cabrera. Sorry, yeah. Really? They said the best ones were Francisco Cabrera, Floyd Yeomans. I don't know him. Rich Butler and Steve Sinclair. Oh, wow. What, uh, Stubby Clap not invited? How is he not the MVP of that league? Not invited, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe uh, this uh, Wikipedia write-up uh, wasn't correct. So, uh, obviously, I mentioned you're an associate producer uh, working, or you've worked on a lot of games uh, throughout the years uh, on the road. Uh, what are your fa- some of your fave stories on the road and, and the fave places that you've gone to? Um, well, uh, the last... Since 2010, I've uh, gone to the Stanley Cup final every year. Obviously, this year... That streak will end because I don't believe we're going to do the Hub City in Edmonton. Mm. But um, I would say that we had back-to-back years where we went to Nashville and uh, Las Vegas. Ooh, wow. And uh, those, uh, th- then we followed that up with uh, St. Louis. <laughs> and it, was, it, was not, it was a big drop. But Nashville for, na- the Nashville-Pittsburgh final was a uh, – it was a great series and then two great towns and we hit a bunch of concerts. We went to, uh, we saw you two play at Heinz field, the Joshua tree tour, Bobby Mack got us, uh, seats and, and, uh, and then we got into CMA fest in Nashville. I don't know if you've ever gone to that, but not, uh, I've been there and somehow came back, came back alive, but I've never, I didn't actually yeah. know that. Yeah, no, if you ever can go down, the only problem with CMA Fest, it, it's early June, so it's during the cup final, so work at, our place is pretty busy. But if you can ever get vacation at that time of year, I would highly suggest going down there. It's a lot of fun. But, yeah, anyone who's been in Nashville knows how much fun it is, and I'd say those were probably my favorite. Although Chicago, Chicago's always good. Because we always go to we see we always go to baseball games when we're at the Cup final. Mm-hmm. So you know Wrigley Field's always fun. Pittsburgh had a great ballpark. St. Louis uh, last was last year. That's a nice ballpark too. So those are a lot of fun times we have. Have you ever been to? I've only been to outside of the Blue Jays uh, Stadium, uh, Cincinnati and Cleveland. Have you ever been to Fenway before? Uh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, know, la- yeah. This, this, this past year. Well, this this past year. Uh, uh, before game seven, there was an off day and, uh, Ray Ferraro is a big baseball fan. So we, we like to every year try and go to a ball game, uh, during the final. And I, I don't know, little known fact, but Ray Ferraro played in the little league world series. Really? I actually didn't know that. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, he played for no Trail way. BC. No and, way. Which I think is like completely like, so awesome that he actually played. That's almost as impressive as his NHL career. That's cool. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so he's a huge baseball guy and he loves the Red Sox. Oh, so no. um, the story took a we had an I know we had we had an off day last year and uh, so we we went to go buy uh, tickets down at Fenway for a Red Sox game and uh, we got to the ticket booth and the usher said uh, oh you should just buy some uh, scalpers off my buddy so we're sure and this guy came he's wearing a suit you know probably looked in his mid fifties you know clean cut guy and he's got I got two tickets right behind home plate. I got to go to uh, to work, but um, I'll sell them to you for cost, 125 a pair or whatever. Just that's so, all it was for right at, behind home plate. Well, yeah, that's we awesome. no uh, maybe no, it's 125 each ticket. Even yeah, that's amazing. And and then and, and so we're you know what, what the hell we're you know we're here, and uh, you know so we grab the tickets, and uh, give the money. We, we get a hot dog. We walk around to the other side of the park. To go in and our tickets are frauds. Oh, that's why they're so cheap. <laughs> so to say we were we were less than pleased. We mm. went running back trying to find that greasy bastard. We couldn't get him. But <laughs> I was gonna uh, say 125 right behind one plate sounds amazing. I know. I know. And then we uh we, we we said we can either just go home and have it ruin our night or we just bought new tickets. So we bought tickets and went to the game and Fenway's a great Fenway's a great park, but of the old parks, it's definitely not my favorite. Hmm. I mean, Wrigley's by far my favorite, and Yankees, the old Yankee Stadium was was incredible. Even the old Tiger Stadium, I liked. I actually, uh, you know, I love going to a bunch of Blue Jays games, but I know a lot of the hot take, or not even a hot take, I guess. I guess it's a, a cold take. Is that Rogers Center is, is terrible to go to? But if the dome is closed, it's not great. I actually, when the dome is open, I don't mind it. I think it's pretty nice. But a lot of people I, hate it. I, I I totally agree. Yeah, I think that when it's when it's open and there's thirty thousand in there, it's a, it's a great ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great it's atmosphere. A, it's a, it's it's fashionable for people to rip on it, but I haven't been to Tampa Bay, but Tropicana Field. But uh, yeah, I've heard that that's definitely far worse. What's going on in the background there, by the way? Are you uh, outside or? Yeah. Oh, I'm outside. Why is it? Is, is, is the audio bad? I no, no, it's a, it, it, no, no. It's not. It's not awful. It's. Uh, I was just interested. I didn't know uh, what was happening. Uh, what was that? What was ha- what was going on? So I, I figured I, I must ask. I'm sure the listeners were also wondering. So um, I'm just I'm just casing my yard to make sure there's no raccoons. I'm at war with raccoons yeah. right now. Aren't they the worst? Like I swear, like the the some people. There's a faction of people who are monsters who say raccoons are cute. They're crazy. No, 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 no. There's Racco- nothing about them that's cute. Raccoons have more rights than people in this city. It's unbelievable. <laughs> they're just, oh, God. They're just, I remember because obviously we work late hours and I'd come home from work, you know, two in the yeah. morning sometimes and they're rummaging through the garbage. And they, yeah, same thing. They act like I'm intruding on their life. It's like, yo, man, this is my house. Like, get out of here. They are the oh, yeah, worst. No. They're worst. And you can't do anything about them. Nope. And uh, no, one they're, day they're, they're definitely crazy. One day we will reclaim this land. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously mentioned uh, you were on the Rubber Boots podcast with James Duthie and Lester and Stoff and all those guys. Uh, what's it like being on that podcast and with those uh, with those knuckleheads? Uh, it's always a entertaining conversation. Yeah, no, it's um, it's we've been doing it. I think about four years now, and. Uh, it's funny because I, I didn't know Stoff at all when we started, and I knew Lester, but I didn't know him very well. So I really only knew James, and 
it's been great over, you know, the last three, four years to get to know those guys. This year, Duffy uh, hooked us up with one of his sponsors. We went to a trip down to Turks and Caicos just before the pandemic hit. Wow. We were up in this luxury resort, and had, we had the four of us had a great time. We brought our wives and girlfriends, and, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Just, uh, you know, it's an interesting group of guys. We're all kind of different uh, different backgrounds, and, and uh, you know, we get along really well, so it's a lot of fun. I had a... Uh... Deathy on this podcast a couple episodes ago, and he, in un, no uncertain terms, said Puffy is a complete asshole. So, how do you respond to that? <laughs> oh no, he's he's uh, he's a gentleman right. and a scholar. I refuse <laughs> yeah, to is. rip the the money maker. <laughs> I'm kidding. He definitely did not say that. No, no, uh, no. no. He, he's he's uh, definitely a butron, and I'm so glad to have him on the podcast. I did have uh, Jamie Rydell on a few episodes ago as well, and he said that. Obviously, most of the, uh, the time you guys go to the Masters most years. Obviously, not this year uh, in April. Yeah. But and you get to, I got to play Augusta National. How was that? And uh, that must have just been the greatest thing of all time, right? Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. And, I mean, it sounds cheesy to say, but it, it, a lot of it had to do with getting, getting to play it with my friend, too. Because Rydell and I got to play together. Where most times, if you do win the lottery, fortunate enough to win the lottery to play, mm-hmm. you're playing with three people you don't know, which – Still, it'd be fun, but it's, I mean, it made it even more special playing with a good buddy. And uh, you find out on the Saturday night before, and and then on the Sunday, you're going to the course to work the final round, but you're also looking at the flags and the pins, and, and you're trying to see what, what the shots you're going to be shooting the next day. And then we, uh, we teed off around 10 o'clock, and so they let you actually come before to you go into the clubhouse and you get into the sit in the champions locker room. You get a locker. Oh, that's cool. And then they put out a breakfast spread for you. So we, we went and put our stuff in the locker, went out to get something to eat before going to the driving range. And John Gruden was in there. Oh, no way. Um, and he was working Monday night football at the time. And so I'm, I'm sure he's noticed that the two of us were, were staring him down. You know, we were, we were, well, we were looking for an order or something because he comes over and he's like, hey, guys, this is pretty flipping cool, isn't it? <laughs> and we were like, oh, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. So, I can imagine him saying that in his drawl, yeah. So so we, uh, we, we teed off and then he was in the group behind us. And so, I mean, this is a shot you dropped about your whole life. First tee at Augusta National. And so I'm playing with Jamie and, and then we're playing with a – a guy who worked at Italian TV and he was a former professional, like a Euro tour player. And then there was an Irish guy from Irish TV and he was a scratch golfer and then Rydell and myself. So the Italian guy, he teed off first and drove one right down the middle of the fairway. And then the Irish guy shoots one right down the middle of the fairway. So then Rydell goes to tee off next and John Gruden's watching us now. And I'm just praying for Jamie to top it. I'm like, come on, buddy. Just just hook one into the woods or something. And Jamie, of course, just cranks one right down the middle. So now I'm like, fudge. So then I step up to the tee and I crank one right down the middle. I could, I probably skipped down the fairway. I was so happy. And wow. and the rest of the day, it was just like every shot was fun. Every shot you know. Because, I mean, by that point, I've been to the course a lot, a lot of years. So, you know, you know it so well. And every, it was just every hole is just a treat. And the only bad part of the day was walking up 18 because you're you're just thinking I may I'll probably never get to do this again. So, 
but uh, they it, they treat you so well there. It's first class all the way, and uh, yeah, it was a day like it's a day you'll never forget for sure. Yeah. And now pretty much pretty much all of us now who go down every year have played it. Bob Weeks was like it took him about 19 years before he got his name pulled. That's it so was crazy. a running joke. Yeah, you'd think like uh, you know, obviously he's the uh, analyst and the expert in in Canada. He is Mr. Golf basically in Canada. You'd think he would have gotten yeah. in uh, before and that. And also the one of the nicest guys ever. Oh, absolutely. And uh, it just it just and finally when he I think we were almost as happy as the time when we all got to play ourselves that when he got pulled it was it was pretty awesome. But Duffy's played uh, pretty much everyone. Yeah, everyone that goes down has uh, gotten a spin at it. And it's pretty awesome. It always kills because we'll have uh, like I work with a lot of former NHL players and most of them golf and most of them are pretty good. And it always just kills them when when they'll be bragging about some fancy club they've played at. And all this drop. Have you ever played Augusta National? You should really play that. And it just pisses (laughs) them off so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, that would definitely be a dream come true. And and I'd want to play from the back tees and I'd want it to be like super difficult conditions and the green super quick and. You know, I'd, I'd be honored to shoot 150 in that round. Uh, just well, because, the right? only thing is, they're, they're, they're pretty strict rules about when you get to play. Is yeah, you have to play from the members' tees. Uh, you get a caddy, so that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but they won't let you. But you play Sunday pins, and the greens are cool. pretty much the same. I mean, they got a day's growth, but that's it. They're, the greens are impossible. But from tee, from tee to green, it's actually not that difficult, of course. From the, from the members' tees. I said off the top of this podcast, of course, we're both big Seahawks fans. Uh, we'd be remiss yes. not to, to discuss that. It's so yeah. fashionable for everyone to hate him. Do you, do you hate Pete Carroll? Uh, I hope not. I, I, I couldn't be further from – I couldn't love Pete Carroll more. And I, I don't really read Seahawk Twitter because that just – it's not healthy for anyone. But like, <laughs> it is entertaining. But, though. like, I just, I just don't understand why anyone would be against Pete Carroll. They, the team has been competitive – Pretty much every year he's been in charge. For a decade, yeah. And he was able to rebuild the team on the fly mm-hmm. and have this. And, and the thing is, the hallmark of, of Pete Carroll football teams are like what makes me happy about watching football. Like they tackle well. You know, they play good special. Like they just, he just makes football fun for me to watch. Like I always feel with Pete Carroll's teams, you have a team that's going to compete. And that's sure. all you really want as a fan. You just don't. You just don't want those. Like there was, there was years like I almost quit on the Seahawks because I mean I'm a Toronto kid, and so I love my Toronto sports teams. But the NFL is sort of that one league where you can choose anyone and for no rhyme or reason. And I was about eight years old, and I chose the Seattle Seahawks, and I lost a lot of money gambling on <laughs> Seattle Seahawks football until. 90s, yeah. You know, until the the homegrown era, which was good. But even if you look at those teams, like they were good teams, but they weren't what the Pete Carroll Seahawks were. Sure. Like, th- like when Pete Carroll's teams, when when we were at our best, like you you knew you they were gonna win. It was like we're this is we're gonna win this game. We're gonna win this game. Where the other years, you'd be like, oh, if we we play well, we'll win. But but with Pete Carroll's team, you're like, we're going to win. And I just don't understand anyone who is anti Pete Carroll with what we've also experienced as Seahawks fans, like some truly horrible, horrific seasons in teams and management and coaching. And he's been consistent and 
And I just love love what he's done with this group, the new group, this new era of football. And I think that they're going to be. I think they're going to be good for a while. Well, the last two years, they I remember having fights with people at work two years ago, and they said, "Oh, they're a three or four win team." And I said, "No, no, 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 <laughs> Pete Carroll." I, I specifically said they're probably a, a they're a ten and six team, and they turned it to be ten and six last year. I said they're probably like maybe maybe ten or eleven wins. They had eleven. It was like yeah. those teams were supposed to be four four win teams, and they still made the playoffs both years. Won one playoff game. Of course, you want more. Obviously, what team doesn't want to win the Super Bowl every year? Obviously, yeah. But uh, he's uh, taking teams like you said on the fly that were had no business. Seattle had no business almost beating the Packers in that uh, game to get to the NFC title game. Zero yeah. business getting almost no. to that NFC title game, and they almost did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I'm sure you're like me, but like I with, with Russell Wilson, awesome. like, is there more, I, I wouldn't trade him for any player or quarterback in the world. Like he's just so much fun to watch. Yep. And then they obviously haven't had a, a, an effective offensive line in front of him, uh, in front of him for years. And that's partly why like that, that's definitely the criticism Carol has had is that they don't uh, uh, throw the ball enough. But and, that, yeah. and and there's no question. Even in their peak years, it's incredible how brutal they've been in the first quarter in playoff games. I think that maybe the first eight or nine they played, even when they were winning the Super Bowl and coming close the next year, I think they had a grand yeah. total of three points in the first quarter. And it's yeah. always and of course the crazy comebacks against Atlanta that fell short. Carolina yeah. years ago, Green Bay last year, uh, yeah. even the Niners Week 17 last year. There's a bunch of games where they're like they start off so slowly, which is so frustrating. But they always see, they always come back toward the end, so you can never count them out, which is a, a definitely a hallmark of a Pete Carroll team. Exactly, and those are the teams you want to cheer for. Who gives a shoot about those teams that are great in the first quarter? I mean, I want to be the, I want to cheer for that team who's going to be great in the fourth quarter. And he's they consistently they never quit, they never give up, and you always believe they have a chance. Sure, Absolutely. sometimes they'll fall short, but they're they're they've been such a fun team to be a fan of uh, since he got here, really. I remember not when they when they first got him. I was like, I don't know. I don't, you know, he's failed in the NFL twice, and you know, he's with USC. Yeah. But that opening press conference, I was like, oh, I want to re- run through a brick wall for this guy, and that would have, yeah. have been very painful. But I was I, like, I, you know, I, he's I, just I'm great the same. I, yeah, when I when I heard like when I heard him getting hired, I was like, oh. But uh, almost from day one, I, I loved him, and and uh, though for me, he's he's a he's the best coach they've ever had. Yeah, and I've talk, discussed ad nauseum, including last episode with my buddy Spiros. Uh, I would say 99% of people say in that Super Bowl against New England on the, on the one-yard line, they should have run the ball with Lynch. Of course, Lynch is obviously in a, in a fantastic running back. But I've said the reason you pass is because no one's thinking you're passing. That's the whole ro- point of doing that. But I, I, it's so hard to convince people. Uh, are you in the camp that they should have ran the ball or pass? I am 100% in the camp that you're in. I like, and I honestly think it's really like, if it's people who watched the Seahawks play that are, I, that's what it, it actually bothers me when Seahawks fans complain about that play. Because mm-hmm. anyone who watched that team play, that's what they did all year. They did it in the first half to get a touchdown. That's exactly they what threw, I said last episode. They, yep. Like, that's how they, they, that's what they did. They did what you weren't expecting them to do. Mm-hmm. And Malcolm Butler studied tape. Saw the play, and actually, it turned out, um, it turned like he turned like they, they knew the play was coming, yeah. and good on like sometimes you just have to say good on him, yeah. Like, he he made a great play, and even when he knew it was coming, 
it was bang, bang. And it's still, I bet you they throw that exact same play 10 times and he probably only catches it the one time. Like Russ stuck it into him and he just was, it just like, it was a bang, bang play. And uh, Browner was the one who also knew it was coming and he set the pick Mm -hmm. and let him come free. And, and they made a great play. Like teams make great plays. That's how they win titles. But the play call I thought was a great play call. And unfortunately, it didn't work out. My wife was at that game. Oh, wow. Really? Nice. Yeah. She, she oh, had wow. tickets to that game. She was sitting next to Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, noted, uh, obviously, a Patriot no. fan who had left yeah. the game against the Falcons a couple years later, thinking, and of course, he uses uh, the excuse that his kids were sick for why he didn't yeah. stay in the game. No, 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 no. You left the game because you thought the Patriots were going were gonna to get crushed. So nice try on that one. Outside of the Seahawks uh, Super Bowls, which even win or lose, they're still my favorite Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. The my favorite one is actually that New England Atlanta one because I bet Atlanta to win before the game heavy, and then when they took their big lead, I cashed out Smart. all my Atlanta bets and bet heavy on the yep. Patriots. I did the same back. thing. Yeah, and I won like a thousand bucks. Whoa, I didn't amazing. do that. I, I won a good amount yeah. or like a decent, okay amount, but nothing, nothing like that. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I was in the Dominican Republic just making all kinds of bets, and it, like every bet I made that game, I think I might have lost like the coin toss. Outside of that, I won like every bet, wow. and it was perfect. <laughs> and I hated both teams too, so yeah, it made it yeah, even yeah. more fun. That's the NFL, right? And that's why everyone loves it, and it's such a great league. My, and do you think it's you think it's going to be back? Well, uh, that's one of the things I was gonna uh, I was gonna ask about. Like, uh, obviously, the NF, uh, NHL and MLB and NBA allegedly are coming back here at the end of July. But I hope, obviously, I'm wrong on this. But I feel like it's going to be a thing where maybe they'll play for a week or so, and then it's like, okay, guys, we got to stop this. Like MLS, uh, a couple teams have already. Uh, bailed in the tournament, a couple players. Like, yeah. we, we, we can't do it. Like, wh- I've always wondered, like, what's the magic number to where it's like, okay, we got to stop this? Like, is it eight? Is it 21? Is it 73? Is it 120? Who knows what the number is? That, that's the thing. Like, yeah. at some point, I would think, like, someone's going to venture out and then not stay in the bubble. Like, it's just, you know, with that many people, it's going to happen. So I hope I'm wrong. At least the yeah. NFL has time till September, at least. So at least they have a few more months to, to play with there. But, I hope so, because oh god, if they didn't have NFL, that would be brutal. I know. I think I think college football screwed. I mean, getting college kids to not venture out is going to be okay. pretty much near impossible. Yeah. But I actually, th- I think that the the uh, MLB is the one I think is the most in danger. I think NHL and NBA once they get those teams in their hub city uh, and they get them tested, I, I think they're going to lock them in. These guys, I mean, the reality is, is when these teams go into their playoff mode. They're basically in bubbles as it is. Everyone's always saying, oh, you know, they don't want to be away from their family for two months. When the guys are in the NHL playoffs, they ain't staying, like, they're staying in hotels as it is, even when they're at home. They're not really seeing their families. So it's not going to be that big a difference. I mean, they'll probably miss a bit of female companionship. But besides that, I think that it won't be a big, it won't be a big uh, hassle for these guys. And I'm sure they'll have it set up for them to do other things like golf or play bowl or bowl or, you know, watch other games or something to keep them entertained when they're not playing. Now you're a, you're a Leaf fan, right? Yes. Yep. Do you want them to beat Columbus or do you want them to have the 12.5% chance to add Lafreniere? 
I think uh, I want them to beat, to beat Columbus, Could just because, in the, especially in any other league, the, uh, more sorry, more than any other league, the NHL is definitely one where a team can ride a hot goalie, something crazy could happen, an injury, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, they've lost the, the first round the last three years, but they've been very competitive in all three. It's not For like sure. they got swept. So I think no. if you ever have a chance to win the Stanley Cup, especially with this core, probably needing to win right now or pretty close to right now with their big contracts, I think, I, of course, I'd love Lafreniere. But I think uh, yeah. I would take the the playoff win. You, I I I definitely uh, after what like world I work World Juniors every year and Lafreniere's performance at this year's World Juniors was one of my favorites from the last ten years or so. So I'm I'm certainly hoping the Leafs will obviously go on a cup run, but I wouldn't be completely pissed off if they did lose and had that crack at at gaining another one. The only thing is if they got him. Then it's going to be you got. Then you got to start trading some big time assets because. Good. I mean, if you got, you know, you, you, yeah, you, you, you where you, you can't play them on your third line. Well, here's the thing: like, uh, it's easy to for kind of in a way forget, but the Penguins, of course, had Crosby and Malkin, and then they drafted yeah. uh, Jordan Stahl, who's obviously been a very, very good. Uh, uh, I've, been, I've yeah. been saying obviously a lot this podcast. Man, that's weird. Uh, it's, it's so weird when you have a word in your head that you say and you're like, don't say it, and you keep saying it. Oh, it's, it's usually one different word every podcast. It's so frustrating, obviously. Uh, yeah, they could have had Jonathan Taves, the Penguins, instead of uh, Jordan Stahl. Imagine that. Crosby, Malkin, Taves. Wow. Now, would Taves have more or less Stanley Cups? Well, here's the thing. Jonathan Taves probably never turns into Jonathan Taves as such because we, we, we you know, of course we'd like him and we, we, you know, we think he's a very good player, but he yeah. wouldn't be leading uh, the team. He wouldn't be the one leading the team in theory, be Crosby and Malkin, right? So, yeah, uh, he wouldn't be, uh, you know, as as beloved probably. But uh, I would say probably ooh, three cups. Of the well, I mean, they, that's how that's tough to top. I mean, since yeah, since he's been drafted, I think Pittsburgh's won three cups, mm-hmm. and Chicago's won three cups. Yeah, he's a great player. Here comes Taves. Jonathan Taves moving in. What a move! Oh, my goodness! Oh, man! Oh, man! Wow! No doubt about that. Uh, I have a couple more questions here before I get you out. Uh, We discussed uh, before uh, this podcast, I asked if you liked reality shows, which I like quite a few. Uh, And you said Big Brother. Uh, Have you heard the news? Uh, It came out a couple weeks ago. Um, Well, actually, no. Before I even get to that... Who would you say uh, for the Big Brother America is the greatest player yeah. of all time on Big Brother America? Have you seen all the Dr. seasons? Dr. Will. Dr. Yes. Will. Yes, yes. Still, Dr. Will. Yeah. <laughs> yes. like, even, even though there's been, there's been some fantastic players, uh, but Dr. Will, like yes. if he came back ever, they're going to do a celebrity one. Well, not celebrity one, uh, uh, the top players one. It's, it's yeah, uh, a returning guest one coming. Yep. All-stars. And if they got somehow got Dr. Will back in that house, uh, I'd fire. Like – his performance in the oh second, so good. like, it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable, yeah. He's the one, he really wrote, He as much as Richard Hatch wrote the playbook for Survivor, mm-hmm. like, Dr. Will wrote the playbook for, he changed the game. I will be throwing every competition, I will throw every HOH, I will throw every POV, and I will throw every food competition. George is on slop, and I will do the best I can to ensure that we all are on slop. I can't find an individual to hate because I hate you all. He created the game of, of Big Brother. Mm-hmm. And probably he probably in some ways even changed all of 
reality television with the way he played and the success he had. And then, of course, um, he went on All-Stars with his buddy Boogie and made the Final Four, yeah. uh, spoiler alert, uh, that was like 12 years ago, so don't get mad at me yeah. if, if you guys haven't seen it. And uh, yeah, he went to the yeah. Final Four and then Boogie won, so, and that was, that season he looked like he was toast right away, because he was the only Which was even winner. more, I think that the, the second time was more impressive than the first. Absolutely. Because 100%. no one would ever go in with a bigger target than he had, and, uh, and he was, and, and they weren't just good at gameplay. But they, so th- their interviews oh. are still untouched with uh, the phone calls. Oh, yes. Like, yeah. they, like they were so good. Bring, bring. Hello. Hey, Boogie. Yeah, what up, Dude, man? Dude, get this. You're not going to believe it. What? Big Brother All-Stars. I go in front of the entire house guest group, and I say, I hate you all. No one voted even against me. Everyone voted against Jace. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that, like, people tell me that Big Brother Canada is really good. Mm-hmm. It is. And and I, I refuse to, to, like, I just, it's just like, you know, it's like Tom from Anakin Ish and like Dwayne from Scarborough. And it's, I just, I don't know why, I just have never gotten into it. But people do say it is really good. It is really good. Uh, um, I'll get to the Dr. Will anecdote I had, good word, in a sec. But yeah, the Big Brother Canada, I feel the, the challenges are more inspired. They try harder. I feel the American ones, they're just like, okay, we're going to rest on our laurels knowing that, uh, you know, we do it once a year. It's no big deal. The Canadian one, they definitely take more chances. Sometimes it's a little bit more gimmicky, especially off the start of the season with their different themes. And instead, really? of, instead of it saying, um, uh, this uh, veto meeting is adjourned, they'll say, yeah. And I, I never understood this. I don't know if they want to be different or if they just, for some reason, weirdly, legally can't say it, but they'll say, this veto meeting is complete. Which sounds so oh. awful. I hate it so much. Uh, but no, honestly, the Big Brother Canada is really, really good. Uh, and we'll it is to- okay. Maybe, yeah. uh, maybe I will give it a try then, because yeah. I like I love the Big Brother. I just I, it's for me. It's it's. I just I think it's my my wife. My wife. My wife will watch like the first or second episode, and if she doesn't like the people, she's out. Well, but, here, here's what but, I tell your wife here about uh, that yeah. show, or about Too Hot to Handle, or The Circle, or any of these reality shows. Uh, I find even shows I love, they try to hook you early on with these people, and they, and they, and they, they give you like these crazy personalities, these wacky people, and they all yeah. seem like douchebags. Every single one of them seem like the scum of the earth. Yeah, but because they're trying to hook you, but yeah, get past the first few episodes because they actually turn into normalish people for the most part. Some people are bad, of course, still, uh, especially on Big Brother. But yeah. uh, most people end up being normal people. But the first episode or two, like uh, I, I agree, they, they these people seem like horrible people, and it's like uh, it, just, it just turns you off. But maybe maybe show her episode three or four. I wanted to bring it up. I don't know if you heard the story a few weeks ago. Uh, Doctor Will and Boogie are at uh, huge odds. Have you have you heard that story? Oh, what? Sorry, what? What are they? Doctor Will and Boogie, who obviously were buddies on Big Brother, and they're part of the Chilltown Alliance. And everyone loved them. Uh, they they have a restraint. Doctor Will has a restraining over. Order, sorry, over uh, Boogie right now. Really? Things have gone dark between those yeah, two? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, that is not good. No, so apparently... Uh, well, I'm not happy about that. Well, I like those two together. Yeah, no, they were, they were hilarious. But Boogie, um, uh, he's had a bit of a checkered history in, uh, legally here the last decade or so. And uh, I guess recently he tried to get a partner with Dr. Will to go on uh, Amazing Race. And Dr. Will said no. 
So apparently yeah. Boogie uh, threatened him and his family, like t- uh, took a picture or something or or drew a picture of like Dr. Will's kids and they basically inferred that he's going to kill them or something. So uh, wow. Dr. Will was like, well, well, obviously a restraining order for that. And then I saw some <laughs> videos where Boogie was like uh, pretty darn racist uh, during the Black Lives Movement, uh, you know, the, the last couple months. And uh, yeah, it does not seem like Boogie is the nicest guy of all time. So uh, yeah, I thought that was a pretty I mean, wild the, story. The, I mean, that's the thing. Sometimes your heroes let you down. Mm-hmm. But the thing, the thing I always found about Dr. Will was that he was very good at the game, but he was like sort of the game. He was, he was better than the game. Like he Charming. didn't need the big brother. Yeah. He had his, he was a doctor. He had thing. He had a life beyond big brother where, although I loved when he'd come back and interview when he'd host the, like the, um, Reunion, the, uh, the jury, the yeah. jury, the jury, but but guys like Boogie, the like some people go into that house and they do well in the game, and then that becomes their life. Right, that's all they were. They're they're Mike Boogie from season six, mm-hmm. and they go to they hang out together. They all date. They're like that Bachelor world, right? <laughs> Bachelor Nation. They all they all it's incestuous. They all get married and and like and like I feel like Boogie. He probably was like I need us to do this uh, amazing race and my doctor will's like dude i got i got other stuff on the go i'm yeah, i'm yeah. good absolutely and unfortunately that it tore apart but both legends of the game although not necessarily the best of people yeah and uh you mentioned not loving big brother canada perhaps you would have loved big brother canada had i got on i've tried it three or four times uh and uh, standing out in the freezing cold in, in November, I uh, keep getting the same casting guy every single year. And last year, I uh, I went in there and I thought, oh, if I write just like I write Michael Harrison as my name, I think it's kind of boring. It's not overly interesting or, or you know something that's catchy. So I wrote Hound Dog yeah. Harrison, thinking, okay, here we go, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, I put it in, and he has a piece of paper. And he goes, oh, all right, who's Hound Dog Harrison? And I'm like, oh no, like right away. And then I'm like, yeah, I work in TV. I work for the Jane Dan show. Oh, what's that? Oh, it's a you know a sports show on TSN. No idea what that is because he's from the states apparently. I'm like, oh, uh, mm-hmm. the 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 Canadian ESPN. I don't know what that is. They were on Fox uh, Fox Sports. Uh, I'm not sure. I was like, oh no, man. Like, every single thing I was trying to appeal to this guy, and I've had him like three yeah. or four years in a row. And every time, at every turn, I, m- I remember one year we walked in because there's like six of you that walk in to the uh, casting guy. He, he asks everyone one question. Takes about a minute each. And he's like, all right, guys, I've been here for like seven hours. Go. Why should you be on the show? And I was like, oh, no, like you're already nervous as it is, of course. You want to get on the show. And then when yeah. you have that little element, uh, that's probably a strategy to sort of uh, you know throw people off. And yeah. uh, every time I have not been on Big Brother Canada, obviously, and maybe obviously again, <laughs> maybe that's why you have not uh, enjoyed it as much. Well, if you uh, I will put this out there. If the Hound Dog Harrison gets cast to be in Big Brother Canada, I will. I won't. I won't just watch every episode. I will attempt to be in the studio audience. <laughs> oh man, that'd be so fun! I think honestly, I'd either win or I'd get voted off first uh, by because I was playing too hard. Uh, I don't think there'd be any, anywhere in between. Oh, I, I, I would guaranteed. I would be like the sixth last person eliminated. Oh, uh, interesting. Uh, why would I, that be? I would. I would. There's no way I would go early, but then. Once it started getting near the nitty gritty, I wouldn't be able to pull it off. Well, well why not? I wouldn't so you should believe in yourself. Well, why not? No, I wouldn't have the. I just don't. I wouldn't have the uh, the killer instinct, 
And I would get, I think I would start resting on my laurels. I would think I was safer than I was and I would be uh, put out of commission. Of course, like I said off the top uh, on the James Duffy Rubber Boots podcast, uh, Puffy's hypotheticals are a big thing. I had had a card here actually from uh, the game Moral Dilemma, which I used to do on on the Going for Broke podcast. I would uh, ask a question from that. So I'll ask you this question, and then if you have any of your own for me, uh, that'd be awesome. Uh, I have a card here uh, that's slightly different from uh, hypotheticals, but pretty much the same. uh, So here's the card. Now, I didn't say this. The card said this. So if you're offended, it's not me. It's the card. Uh, Yes. (laughs) While putting away laundry... Putting, while putting away laundry, you discover that your partner has a giant purple dildo. I don't know why it's purple. Uh-huh. Uh, in, the, in the sock drawer. The dildo is many times larger than your pee-pee. Locker room <laughs> visual data has already suggested that your penis is much smaller than average. Do you, yes. A, confront your partner about the dildo and explain that you were intimidated by big perps? Or B, yep. surprise your partner by using the purple dildo during your next batch of lovemaking? By the way, oh, the, the, the term uh, making love is the most yeah. the funniest thing in the world to me. Uh, it's such a dumb expression, and it, or, or my lover, those types of expressions yes. are hilarious well, to me because they're so stupid. I, I do agree. Like when you see there, like there'll be couples that will legitimately call each other lover in, in front of people, so which I always find is awesome. You, you guys say it, um, yeah. But but I would be a hard B on that. So I would definitely uh, introduce introduce uh, literally the, a the Barney sized the dinosaur <laughs> penis into the uh, into the bedroom. So yeah, I would uh, I'd be fine with uh, whatever needs whatever leads to me getting some action. I'm all game. <laughs> so yeah, you surprise would, your partner be, by using the purple dildo during your next batch. Yes. Batch. I love the word batch, batch in that scenario lovemaking. of yeah. lovemaking. Okay, interesting. Yeah. There'll be yeah, there'll be it'll be more than one. Yeah, there'll be more than one session. It'll just be copious <laughs> amount of love Good making word. going on. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Are you uh, now? Is does the hound dog have a lady friend, or are you uh, out there mingling? I'm singling and ready ready to mingle. So uh, yeah, I uh, nice. freeze a bird uh, as it were. Nice, nice. Do you do the uh, online stuff or just play it old school? Uh, oh, man, now, old although school. Online thing. dating probably is old school now. <laughs> I'm sure there's even a newer a newer version. Online dating has been around so long that it's not that new. Yeah, no, I definitely uh, – old school is not the greatest in terms of, uh, for me, uh, the old old school, I guess, uh, in terms of just yeah. randomly going up to someone and talking to them. I'm really, really bad at that. Uh uh, I, one of my favorite stories, though, uh, that I said on my old podcast, uh, I was dating a girl a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, and yeah. <laughs> it was just so, oh, God, it, it, it's seared in my memory. So I was going uh, with her to Spring Sushi, one of my favorite places here in Toronto, and yeah. we're, we're going in the elevator, and we're going downstairs, and I was very excited, very pumped to go, and the guy goes, uh, where are you going? And without missing a beat, for some reason, I go, Spring Sushi! And he goes, yeah. no, like what, like what floor are you going to? And I, <laughs> oh no! And I, I'm I'm on the 27th floor, uh, and it was like that. It was the slowest elevator ride down. I was like, oh jeez, yeah. Sorry, we're going to the ground yeah. floor. Whoopsie. Yeah, we're going down. Yeah, that was that. That was so. Oh god, I still remember that one so well. And oh man, but that's also that's also so funny. Oh man. Hey. Yeah. Good story. Yeah. Sometimes, any, uh, sometimes it's worth the story. Yeah. Do you have any uh, hypotheticals for me? Uh, I'm wondering. Or I do have a hypothetical Good. for you. 
you're good friends with Adam Scully, who's a colleague of ours. Yeah. I would and uh, who just shot under par mm -hmm. for the first time at uh, Bayview Country Club. So my hypothetical for you would be, would you be willing to play uh, heads, uh, heads Up versus Scully uh, at Bayview Country Club? So he has a home course advantage. Mm -hmm. uh, he has to give you uh, four strokes. Uh, and uh, if you win, you get $100,000 cash. Oh, wow. If he wins, he gets $100,000 cash. But the losing team, um, their their uh, work colleagues. In your case, that would be Jay and Dan, mm -hmm. and in his case, that would be Bob Weeks and Mark Sacchino. Uh, they would be executed. Oh, jeez! <laughs> <laughs> they would be killed. Wow! So would no matter what, <laughs> would you be willing to play this heads-up match? So no matter risking the lives of your friends. So no matter colleagues. what, two people are dying. No matter what, <laughs> two people are dying. No matter what. But <laughs> what have we tied? You also, but. But the key is that neither yourself or your friend Adam Scully are dying. You guys can only make money. <laughs> and so what if we tie, though? Let me throw that one into the equation. What happens If you then? tie, we're going to play extra bowls. Someone will <laughs> die. I was and so, <laughs> I was someone will be someone. paid and someone will die. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, uh, I have played uh, Scully in three matches this year, and uh, I've beaten him all three times, Brag. Uh, wow! And I always uh, joke to him that I, I'm the superior athlete. Of course, I'm not. Um, so I do love ruining his life. Now, I would love to ruin his life and get 100k. Do I want to ruin uh, Bob Weeks? Is such an awesome man, and Zakino's great too. Uh, for uh, sure, but that's a hundred thousand dollars cash. Yeah, cash. and 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 you're getting four shots. Well, I, I, initially, I was going to say I'm not even going to take them uh, the, the shots because uh, I hate uh, getting uh, you know shots on a golf course. I think that, that's do you that's brutal. think? But, but but I mean, he shot in the '60s. Oh, he, he definitely '60s. Oh yeah, he bet, he'd at, beat me at that course for sure. Yeah, at that course, you probably need shots. Mm -hmm. Well, I've had some bad rounds there. Uh, you know what? Yes, I will take that uh, bet. Yeah. And but but can I can <laughs> yeah. I do a little twist to it though? If I do win, I save Bob yeah. and Zacchino, but I execute Skelly. Can I do that? <laughs> yeah, sure. If you if you would rather execute your buddy, that's true. <laughs> good. Okay, we came to a good agreement on that one. Yeah, yeah, like that's that. for sure. No, that's no problem. <laughs> well, I love that. I guess on that positive uh, note, uh, I'll get you out of here. Uh, this has been a, a hilarious podcast. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, uh, Puffy. And uh, thank you for coming on. No problem, buddy. Cheers. That was a beauty conversation with Sean Puffy Cameron. I love how much he agreed with me that Dr. Will is the greatest Big Brother contestant ever. Sorry, Derek, Janelle, Dan, and Rachel. Dr. Will was unbelievable in the second season and for Big Brother All-Stars Season 7. We could discuss Seahawks ball forever, and we're so thankful for a largely stellar run at the helm for Pete Carroll in Seattle. I loved our chat about his work on the road at TSN, and of course, that hilarious Puffy's hypothetical. Sorry, not sorry, Adam Skelly. You can follow Puffy on Twitter at OurBoyPuff and at RubberBootsPod for James Duthie's podcast to hear more of Puffy's hypotheticals. Thank you so much for listening to episode 31 of the H-Dog Pod. Bang! This has been the H-Dog Pod with host Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Bang! 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 Mm.